0: Well, come with me to the Scripture, God's living Word. It's it's to be found today in Matthew 16. We'll start in verse 13, Matthew 16, verse 13. You can also download this sermon outline uh, right there on your computer, and you can print it off and have it in front of you. And I would urge you to do that because it helps my hearing to be able to take some notes. Well, these are unusual times, are they not? We've never seen anything quite like this. People are saying this will be the most significant event of our lifetime. So, in these unusual times, we're having some unusual experiences, like going to the store and finding empty shelves. Have any of you had that experience? My little sister, Iva June Wolf McLaughlin, Uh, She lives out in Austin, Texas area, Georgetown, and she sent me this picture. This was the target adjacent to her a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, and uh, we were talking about this, and she just said she's never seen anything like it. Empty shelves where there generally is abundance and plenty. My friend Al Stroh had a funny joke he put on Facebook, Al said, I have a 24-roll pack of toilet paper, and I'll trade it for a four-bedroom beach house. Now, we're in unusual times when we start making those kind of trades, but tongue-in-cheek, Al is suggesting that these are days of shortage. Uh, So fill in this blank. When I I saw that picture my sister sent about the empty shelves, I thought, Jesus' shelves are never empty. They are never empty. Maybe right now you're running a little low. Maybe you're running low on hope, wisdom. Maybe you're running low on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Maybe you're running low on faithfulness and self-control. Well, here's the good news. The Lord Jesus has an abundant supply. As a matter of fact, it's so abundant, I just urge you to tap into his store his shelves are overrunning and they're never ending uh, i'm focusing on philippians 4:19 what does it say my god will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in christ jesus let that be god's prescription for you today on countless occasions i've gone to the hospital and somebody is fighting with a big illness a great personal health disaster and uh, if they're not there, maybe they're at a test. I'll pull out one of my little business cards and I'll just put it right there by their, by their bed, and I'll, I'll put a note: "I love you." Read Philippians 4:19. And oh, my friend, how that can lift your spirits if right now you will take to heart this great promise of God: My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's why it's imperative during these hard and crazy days of this encroaching pandemic, the siege by this invisible virus, that we receive the Savior's supply. Well, we saw it last Sunday. If you dialed in to our special live stream service last Sunday, or you caught it on Vimeo or the internet, it's been out there. We've had thousands of people that connected. Uh, But we saw Jesus in Mark chapter 6, Feeding the 5,000. Now, friends, can you imagine this? What if you had 5,000 unexpected guests come to your house and they wanted to eat? I, I can't imagine me calling up Mary Ruth and saying, Hey, darling, uh, a crowd the size of Crampton Bowl is coming over to our house. Would you fix something? Well, there's no way. And yet, Jesus was able to use his power to supply that need. So he supplied the need. Uh, to feed. And what did He do next? He had the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. They were caught in the grips of a terrifying storm. They were straining against the oars. And the Bible says that Jesus came, and He came to them walking on the water, the source of their fear. And He spoke these words of encouragement to them. He said, I am near. Suppress your fear. What did He do? He supplied courage. And He calmed the storm. What did the disciples do? They said, who is this guy? Who is this man that can meet our need? Feed the people. He can suppress our fear. He can calm the storm. Well, let's answer that question because the answer is found in Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Let's go to verse 13. Now, friends, during this time when we are trying to avoid social gathering, where we're keeping social distance, let the time of social distance become an opportunity for you to have spiritual intimacy and closeness to the Lord. You see, the Lord Jesus took His disciples off on a retreat to a place called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there on several occasions, and it's right above the Sea of Galilee, about 15 miles. It's a beautiful retreat center. And so as we look at this retreat, think about you having a personal retreat with the God Who created you, who redeemed you, who loves you, and who wants to sustain you and supply for you every day. So here is Jesus with the disciples. They pulled away from the crowd, and they're retreating. Let's enter that moment. Now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and He began asking His disciples, saying, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Look at verse 18, but I say to you, That you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of confession, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Look at verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Let's pray for just a moment, dear Father. Well, we come very intentionally before You, and I ask that You would get me out of the way so that Your Spirit would invade these moments, would invade these homes and these hearts. Pray we would be at full spiritual attention so that You might deposit Your transforming truth about Your supply into every receptive spirit. And we pray for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here's what I want us to do. I want to ask the main question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Peter got it right. He said, Jesus, you are the long-awaited Messiah. You're the promised Savior of humanity that God told us through the prophets that He was coming, and you have arrived. Now, in these uncertain days, Jesus wants you to claim Him as your Savior and your supplier. Now listen to what Jesus did. Jesus gave us seven pictures in the Gospel of John of His purpose and His provision for our lives. And I I want you to be very familiar with these pictures and these purposes. As a matter of fact, uh, for the next two Sundays we're going to focus in on them. We'll do four of them today. Jesus made the proclamation I am the bread of life. I'm going to satisfy the hunger of your soul. And then he says, I'm the light of the world in John 8. And if you'll follow me, you won't walk in darkness. You'll have the light of life. Then he makes an astonishing statement. He said, I am the door, the door by which you enter to be part of my flock and family forever. Then he says, I'm the good shepherd." And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and my sheep will hear my voice. His most astonishing claim is found in John 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who gives you eternal life. Even though you die, you're going to live with me. He tells us, I want to be your worldview. I want to be your way, your truth, and your life. In this world of dead ends and lies, I want you to follow after me. And then he adds it all up, and he says, I want to be your supply line. I want to be your vine. And if you'll abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce much fruit, fruit that lasts forever. So those are the seven sayings of Jesus. And within those seven sayings, you not only find his purpose, but his provision for your life. So let's plunge into them. Let's go with number one, bread. Bread. You see, here's the goal. Receive Jesus' gift of fulfillment. Jesus said in John six thirty five. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. He goes on to say later in the chapter that if you take me in, if you ingest me as your bread, you will live forever. That's an astonishing thought. Jesus is simply saying in the same way bread satisfies your physical hunger, Jesus will satisfy your spiritual hunger he will give you a sense of deep meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. It's interesting, bread is the analogy, because Jesus is the master teacher, and He uses a simple truth like a loaf of bread in this common need that we have to satisfy our physical hunger to connect with everybody. Everybody everywhere in the world has a form of bread. I've traveled a lot, and I've been down to Mexico, and their bread is a tortilla. I like them. I've been over in India, and their bread is chapate. Oh, it's good stuff. Uh, Have you ever gone over to Africa, and their bread is kind of a porridge. It's a grit-like substance called ugali. And they'll scoop it up, and they'll put something on top of it, and it's really, really good, ugali. In Alabama, what's our bread? Sister Schubert rolls. That's what our bread is. At least, that's some of my favorites. Well, everybody has a physical hunger, and it is satisfied by food temporarily because you're going to get hungry again. Think about it. In our world, it's a hungry world, isn't it? Every creature has an open mouth, and every creature needs food. Uh, A baby bird has an open mouth, and that baby bird wants food from mama. A mighty elephant in the jungle is looking for food. A tiny minnow in a stream is looking for something to eat. A piece of plankton or a mighty whale in a vast ocean is also hungry. So we have this craving, not only for food, but the Bible says that God has wired us for this spiritual craving. Uh, we want this sense of fulfillment, meaning, significance. We want to know that our life counts and that we possess a purpose bigger than ourselves. And friends, that spiritual hunger is only satisfied in and through Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He said, I want to satisfy you. Uh, let, Let me tell you a story about a man named Blaise Pascal. Perhaps you've heard of this man. Blaise Pascal is considered one of the most intelligent men who ever lived. He was from France. He was in a family of wealth and privilege. He was very intelligent. He was a mathematician. As a matter of fact, he came up with the basic idea of how to form a calculator. Not only was he intelligent with math, but he also figured out barometric pressure. He was the guy who basically invented uh, the barometer. But Blaise Pascal was dramatically converted as a young man, and after he came to the Lord he started to think deeply about how God wired us. He put it like this. He said, the heart of every person has a deep longing for true meaning, happiness, and fulfillment. And then he goes on to say that we try to fulfill that longing in many ways that are unproductive. And here's his conclusion. There's a God-shaped vacuum. Listen to this. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled with any created thing but by God the Creator who is made known only through Jesus Christ. So here is the goal of God, that you receive Jesus as the bread of life and He will fulfill the deep hunger of your soul. Let's go to number two. We move from bread to light. Light. Receive Jesus revealing and healing light. The Scripture says in John eight thirty two. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows after me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, light has many vital functions. We all know that light grows things. Uh, If you put a plant in the dark, it will die. But if you plant, put the plant in the light, it will thrive and grow because God has embedded in that plant chlorophyll. And the chlorophyll captures the energy of the, the sun and becomes the first link in the food chain. So light creates growth. Light guides. We all know that light guides. Uh, can you imagine what it would be like if you didn't have a lighthouse on the shore to guide the ships away from the rocks and crashing? What would it be like if you didn't have lights on your automobile and you're trying to drive at night. You see your lights guide. An interesting parenthetical thought is there's a, there was a television show, the longest running television show. Here, here's a Jeopardy question. Do you know what it was? The longest running show for 57 years? What's it called? The Guiding Light. It was a soap opera. And about 10 years ago it was canceled. But here's the good news. God's Guiding Light is never canceled. It's always going to be operative for you but let's focus on these last two things. The light of God reveals and it heals. The light of God reveals. It reveals what is hidden and it heals what is hurt. Think about it. The Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1 that God has been in the process of revealing Himself through all of time. He reveals Himself through the wonders of creation. He reveals Himself through His words, through the prophet. But Hebrews 1 says his ultimate revelation has come in the form of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, when you see me, you have seen the Father. You see, the light of Christ illumines the face and the heart of God. And what has he revealed? He revealed that God so loved the world, so loved you, that he gave his only son. And if you would simply believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the chief revelation of Jesus. You see, friends, God's not mad at you. He is mad about you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is going to take care of us. He's the victor. He defeats our enemies, and He will supply our needs. That is what He reveals. But note this, God also heals You see, the light of God exposes our past, our problems, our pain, our sin, our selfishness. And it's not exposed to shame us, it's exposed to heal us. Have you ever had a doctor say, go out into the sunshine because that sunshine has healing in it? That's scientifically and medically correct. The sun contains a vitamin called vitamin D. Now, a lot of people have been been staying inside. They're sequestered. They're quarantined. And I was reading one article that simply said, sunlight heals, so go outside. Get outside. Maybe find a, a lawn chair. It's been beautiful these last few days. I'm praying for warmth because the coronavirus does not survive well in humidity and in warmth. Praise God for Alabama's heat and humidity. But get out in that sunshine and soak up the light. It not only heals, but it will boost your amenities. The same is true for the Son of God. You see, the S-O-N of God, He will heal you. He will heal your deepest hurts, and He reveals the face of God. Well, let's go to the next one. It's the door, the door. Make this note. You see, Receive Jesus' invitation to access. Receive Jesus' invitation to access. Jesus said in John 10, I am the door for the sheep. Now the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That is an amazing statement. What is Jesus? He is the door for the sheep. In John chapter 10 there's a picture of Jesus as the shepherd. The shepherd is managing the sheep. Now every shepherd would have a door or a gate that would lead into his sheepfold or his sheep pen. And so the shepherd would call, the sheep would recognize his voice, and they would go into their pen. And there in the pen they would have access to the shepherd's food, to the shepherd's water, to the shepherd's medicine, to the shepherd's knowledge and care, to the shepherd's security. Oh, it's a beautiful picture of entrance and access. Let me tell you a fun story. Uh, The year was 1982. I was the associate pastor here at Montgomery's First Baptist Church. And I'd gone to visit some friends in the hospital. This man's name was Claude Moody. He used to own a tire store on Madison Avenue. And Claude was a great guy. He had retired. And um, he said, Jay, don't ever retire because uh, I gained 60 pounds. All I did is uh, sit around. I went fishing some, I played golf too much, and now I've got a heart problem. And we had this wonderful conversation, and the essence of it uh, was this, we connected of the heart. So Claude had not been very active in our church, and he and his wife Eunice started showing up a lot, and uh, we've really connected. And, and one day he called me over to his house, he said, Jay, you've meant so much to me, I want to do something special for you. And, and I was just blown away. He pulled out some keys, And he said, for years we've owned a little place down in Panama City Beach on Sunnyside. And uh, it's just our getaway. It's nothing fancy. But um, would you take the key to the front door? I want to give you entrance to the front door. I want to give you access to our favorite place on the planet, our little beach cottage. Well, I said, let me pray about it. And then I instantly said, yeah, I'll take the key. And I took the key. (laughs) And I told Mary Ruth about it. Jason had just been born. And we went on our first adventure to the beach because the Moody's had given us an open door. They'd given us a key and access. So we went down to that beach house, and yes, it was humble, but to us it was like the Taj Mahal. And when we opened that front door, we saw this beautiful place. We had access to it all. The beach was right out the back. It was a wonder and a refreshment. But friends, this is what Jesus is inviting you Two, entrance and access. Entrance to His forever flock and family. He is saying, come in. And, And how do you do it? Let's go to the second scripture. It's Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, I stand at your heart door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is the sweetest invitation imaginable. Jesus wants you to open your heart door and invite Him to come in so that He has access to you and you have access to Him forever. Now let's go to number four. Number four, the shepherd. The shepherd. Receive Jesus' guidance and provision. Also in John chapter 10 verse 11, note this, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is a massive statement, and it has unlimited, immeasurable meaning. But the heart of it is this Jesus wants to be your source of guidance and provision. And in these turbulent times, this is everything. Let me ask you the question who is your source of guidance? Is it the news? Is it your feelings? Is it a family member? No, it should be your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I'm a wolf who became the Lord's lamb a long time ago, and He is my shepherd who guides me every step of the way because I trust His Word, and I'm following His will and His way. Friends, this is a, a dangerous world, so we need to stay very near the shepherd. The Bible tells us that He is the Good Shepherd who will guide us. Remember in Psalm 23, He will guide us even through that dark valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to fear any evil because He's with us. And then He'll provide for us. What do we learn about His provision in Psalm 23? He's going to give us a place of rest in those green pastures beside the still waters. He will guide us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He will guide us to a banqueting table where He provides our needs. His goodness and mercy, almost like bodyguards, will follow us all the days of our life. He will guide and He will provide if we stay near the shepherd. Now, this is a very important time to stay especially close to the shepherd during the season of the pandemic. Uh, Let me close with an amazing story about a man named Ira Sankey. Have you heard that name, Ira Sankey? Oh, he was famous in another era. Ira Sankey was a partner with a man by the name of D.L. Moody. He was the song leader. He was their ed. Um, If you remember, Cliff Barrows worked with Billy Graham. Ira Sankey worked with D.L. Moody, and he was a powerful singer. Matter of fact, he wrote a lot of hymns, several hundred but he had this baritone voice that had a phenomenal projection ability. In the season when you didn't have amplification, it was very, very helpful. Well, his favorite song was Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And that's always been one of my favorites. It was sung at our wedding in 1977, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And here Ira Sankey in the year 1872 was doing a rally for evangelism with D.L. Moody. And he got up and he sang this trademark song, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. And after the service was over, a man came up to Ira Sankey, and this young man who grew up in Pennsylvania, born uh, in the year 1840, he fought with the Union Army. And this man comes up and he says to him, Sir, were you a Union soldier at the Battle of Shiloh? And Ira Sankey said, Well, actually, I was. I was what makes you ask? He went on to question him, and the stranger said, do you know if you ever sang that song, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, to the Union troops? Sankey said, I often sang that song. It's one of my favorites. It brought great comfort. Why do you ask? The man said, you didn't see me, but one night on the battlefield of Shiloh, I saw you. You see, I was a confederate sniper. I was hidden in the shadows just outside of the camp, and when you stood up by the campfire, I took aim at you, and I rarely missed my target. I was about to pull the trigger on my sniper's rifle when I heard you starting to sing that song that I'd learned in church, the words, Savior, Like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures, feed us. For us, thy foals prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. The man went on to say, I couldn't pull the trigger. As I was watching you and listening to you ask the good shepherd to protect you, you might say that that song saved your life. Irasanki hugged the man and he said, "Sir, it wasn't the song that saved my life. It was the shepherd who saved my life. All oh, friends, make Jesus your good shepherd. Invite him to guide you and provide for you from his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, let's pray. Oh, dear Father, we come before You, and we thank You. We thank You for Your provision. We thank You for being everything we need. We thank You for being our bread that satisfies the hunger of our soul. We thank You for being our guiding light that reveals and heals. We thank You for Your invitation to enter and have access to your flock and forever family. And then most of all, Father, I thank you for being the good shepherd who will guide and provide for us every step of the way, even in this turbulent day. Oh Lord, I ask that there would be people right now who would listen carefully because you tell us that your sheep will hear your voice and they will know you and follow you all the way.